Eris Navy Panel practice investigate the unexpected structural strength and natural aesthetic of site-specific material like soy and soap. Apart from being environmental friendly, they narrate the geographical history and contextualize emotion through texture articulated from the process thoughtfully planned by Eres. In this podcast, Eres will guide us through his journey of making, thinking, and becoming. So the first exposure to soil uh, was uh, in my parents' plant nursery. My parents uh, built up a greenhouse in the middle of the city. Um, And there we spent most of the childhood, me and my brother were uh, helping our parents with uh, planting the plants and uh, taking care of them. They were busy with the business, but we were busy with being kids. Uh, and but uh, so we were allowed to to use the 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 soil uh, and be playful with it. So this, I think, most of my childhood memories comes from this place, from the plant nursery, and this was the first place where I was, um, in a way, introduced to this uh, beautiful material. Uh, so all the attachments and sensations as a child in the plant nursery um, uh, were something that I can say that build up the, the, the designer that I am and the interest that I have as a designer um, with the first with the processes that I conduct uh, when I'm trying to grow up uh, when I'm growing up, my objects, if it's the the crystals that are growing underwater or the bananas growth in the fields or the loofah that is growing on top of my studio, there is a, a real connection to uh, the place where I grew up. And soil is a great part of it, I can say. Yeah. It all started from a really specific context like from the plant nursery and when I reached to to Eindhoven and started understanding that I can I think in Eindhoven it's where I realize um, that I can use the experiences that I had um, in my childhood or in general in my life um, we were asked to choose uh, a specific material to work with in a class of uh, Vincent de Rijk. Um, it's then when I chose soil, thinking about the, these times, um, and um, the context was very specific back then, the, the plant nursery, my memories as a child, working with soil, playing with soil, um, trying to construct uh, an object from the soil was the first thing I was intending to do, like I, I wanted to do. Um, but uh, it started from the context of the plant nursery and then it started uh, to become a wider one, like something that uh, other people were relating to or uh, I can say even companies that were interested in in the material itself so starting from a very specific uh, 
personal experience, developing it into um, a material that it's becoming something more broader, something more universal, uh, that other people all over the world can um, attach to. I think this is uh, something that is... Uh, that relates to the fact that uh, first soil it's like one of the basics ma materials we have on earth uh, and um, we all have in some way some experiences with with this material and uh, I, I think it meets each one of the people that read about it or see this material in his own specific context uh, so my personal experience became something that was uh, um, triggering other to think about their experiences or to relate to, to their experiences with soil. And um, also from another hand, I can say that, um, yes, soil is a basic material, but the specific soil that I use, loam, is, uh, uh, um, is a recipe. Uh, that is being uh, made for plant nurseries uh, to have the, the, the greatest growth and uh, for the plant to give them best chances for the uh, seeds to grow and turn into a plant. And this recipe is something that is being duplicated all over the world. So if I started in the specific context of our plant nursery in this ultra-orthodox uh, Jewish city in the middle of Israel, I could find this uh, same material with, that is being uh, produced in other places around the world. So if I stayed in the Netherlands, I could use exactly the same material. In India, the same material. In the United States, the same material. And this brought the project into a greater success because this specific recipe was something that was, could be found all over. It all started uh, as a designer looking at soil. It started in Eindhoven when uh, Vincent de Rijk, our professor, came to the class and asked us to search for a specific material in which uh, each each one of us wants to deal for the next uh, trimester. And uh, uh, the mission was to create a, a recipe. And uh, as I mentioned before, the, the soil itself was already a recipe and the connection and looking back into my childhood was something that I already collected the, uh, like the previous semester. So I thought it will be great to deal with soil again and try to invent something with this basic material. So I went back home and I knew I couldn't have any possibility of working in the workshops in Design Academy. Uh, from one end, the, the mentors were pushing us to to dream and to to create uh, uh, things that were unconventional always, but the the workshops over there were uh, quite conservative. They were dealing with wood, they were dealing with metal, they were dealing with ceramics, 
um, and if one wanted to deal with soil he couldn't enter to the workshops so from the beginning um, I knew that I'm going to work with soil but I have to do it in my house so um, all the combinations that I was searching and all the tools that I was searching were had to be related to something that I can make in my kitchen and uh, this is the way I started. I just went to the Albertine. I bought uh, uh, different natural materials that I, I thought can be mixed with the soil and can create something interesting. And uh, going back home, trying to make like hundreds of combinations, really hundreds of small combinations uh, leaving them to dry in the air, others placing them in the oven and just like this uh, uh, after having so many uh, outcomes I started to narrow it down with the uh, success that I had with a few samples and um, taking it to the next level and trying to uh, be more accurate with the weight, with the volume, with the mass of each uh, uh, component that I use in the process and uh, just by mistake uh, I it was a real mistake I used uh, uh, some uh, it, it, it was something really playful and almost uh, uh, a joke between me and my boyfriend that I use a, a specific fungus um, and this material was left outside I didn't bake it but the day after when I, I looked on the surface where I left it, I saw that the material really doubled in size. And this was a very interesting uh, outcome. But the material wasn't strong. And as I had a previous experience with, um, with uh, the other samples that I made, I thought, okay, maybe I can bake it as well and placing it in the oven. And as I took it out, it was extremely constructive, a very, very strong, durable material. And I knew this is a great fit to the class. I came back the week after to the class exhibiting my recipe. And um, uh, I knew, it, I felt it's a good one. The mentor was extremely excited about the outcome and then we started uh, to roll a conversation on what should be done with this specific material um, from my point of view i really wanted to create a series of planters made out of soil um, this is also something that i was thinking about uh, uh, the evolution in the plant nursery we started with uh, when I was a little child we were working with uh, potters that were using clay and we were um, either creating our own uh, planters or uh, ceramic planters uh, but with the passage of time the, the plastic planters entered to the plant nursery and uh, up until now, I think the majority of the planters are plastics in the uh, in the in the nursery and in the flower stores of my parents. So I thought it could be a great solution uh, to stop using this 
polluter. Plastic at the end is a great polluter. Today we know it even more. 2013, there wasn't so, even 12, there wasn't such a, a hype uh, on the media or in the design scene on plastic. Um, and um, I came with this idea to the class, but the professor uh, thought that it would be it's going to be stronger if I'm going to show the constructive way or the, the durability and the strength of that material that I, I created. And with the planter, I couldn't use it. So they, uh, both of them were pushing me to, to, to go to the most basic uh, object most of the designers wants to design, and it's a chair. Um, I ended up with a series of stools. Um, today I'm quite thankful for them for pushing me to do that because I think there is something very uh, iconic and uh, people uh, looking at a chair or a stool and people relate to it way more uh, easily. It's triggering us. I don't know, it's a myth for me. I cannot... Um, yeah, I'm also looking at chairs. I'm amazed by them. But I would never imagine that I will. Uh, uh, this will be one of my choices to to design a chair. But uh, today, looking back at it, it was uh, a strategic um, choice and a really a smart one. And I'm grateful for them for that. For especially for Vincent, I think it's quite um, an interesting process. And uh, they are using gravity. They are using the energy of the sun. Um, the water are being moved from the Dead Sea into the ponds and uh, just by gravity the, the minerals uh, while the water are flowing the minerals are, are sinking to the bottom to the ground of the ponds and in each pond you get a different mineral sinking to the bottom so uh, the last ponds are uh, you get in the last ponds you get the NaCl which is uh, the byproduct of of this process and I call it a bright a byproduct because this material is being left over there for the last 30 years and think about 30 years of a material piled up in the in a specific pond uh, this became uh, a, a real problem for this area because um, the salt is being piled up and they don't collect it because it's not economical for them to collect it and clean it because uh, today salt is being produced way faster than it's being consumed so uh, it's cheaper to, to, to import salt or to get it from the Red Sea rather than clean the salt of the Dead Sea. But uh, after 30 years of, uh, of neglecting a specific material, the government asked the uh, Dead Sea Works to start collecting the material and do something with it. And um, at first they were searching for ways to collect the salt and this is the way uh, this mountain of salt was piling up outside in the dune. And this is the white mountain that I saw back then. 
um, with the passage of time, they were searching for a specific uh, a process or a specific function for this salt. What can be done with 20 million tons of salt? And this was my research question. Um, trying to analyze and understand what can we do with these 20 million tons of salt every year that are sinking to the bottom of the fifth pond. And um, since 2013, uh, this journey with salt started to evolve um, basically in two directions. One, that it's extremely functional, um, trying to develop the approach of uh, salt architecture um, and using salt as a building material and from another and another way another perspective looking at salt from a more conceptual um, approach uh, trying to deal with this specific problem in the Dead Sea what can be done with 20 million ton of tons of salt and um, uh, some conceptual uh, uh, works I can uh, I can expose I can speak about is bleached, which is a series of stools and tables that each one of them um, is being uh, constructed from lufa. Lufa, it's uh, it's a sponge that it's being uh, used in Israel a lot. And uh, this sponge, uh, if you think about a sponge, it's something um, that absorbs. And um, I thought that this could be a very interesting uh, link. If I'm going to dip inside of the fifth pond, a series of furnitures that are covered with lufa, with this sponge specifically, and they will act as uh, salt pumps that absorb, absorb the salt and um, and this series developed since 2018 into a beautiful series that uh, is traveling all over the world uh, um, being presented by uh, my gallery Friedman Benda in New York um, the outcome is quite stunning and um, it, it tells the story of the neglected material and the value of a beautiful material that we that was left behind in a very uh, simple way, but uh, um, it highlights uh, a great statement about us as a society and uh, as uh, uh, designers even about the materials that we use and uh, the ones that are being left behind. The natural materials that I use that are connected to the plant nursery, also from the aesthetics that I have. Um, mostly I use the white color uh, in my work and it's something that is really contradicting the place where I grew up between all the colors uh, the colorful childhood that I had, I think I'm quite rebelling in this aspect, this period. Okay, so I've collected all the natural materials and the respect to nature from the uh, from the plant nursery. But uh, in a way, I'm also rebelling this aesthetics uh, by uh, 
committing to almost one color. Most of my objects are white or at least monochromatic. And um, um, speaking about the biography in my design, so the plant nursery and uh, later on my wish to come back to Israel that uh, uh, started the journey in the Dead Sea that it's being uh, um, that took me to a great success in my career and it's something that is uh, it takes I think 80% of the studio is really eight, eight, the volume of the salt is like um, the majority in, in the studio and um, also Another aspect is the fact that uh, in 2014, I think, just next to my graduation, uh, my boyfriend came back from Israel to the Netherlands to spend the time of the graduation with me. And he came with this crazy idea that we are turning vegan. And um, personally, I had no idea, nothing about veganism. I used to fly back from Israel to uh, the Netherlands with a luggage filled with my mother's meat, all her special uh, dishes that I used to take with me, put them in the fridge, and I, I could have food for the next few months. And it was an extremely far away idea or from my... I couldn't say from my beliefs because I'm a really sensitive guy, but um, from my lifestyle, it was quite far. And um, I'm extremely thankful to Tomer, my boyfriend back then, uh, that he was quite strong and militant with me, that he really obliged me to sit and understand the meaning of the food, what's behind the specific box that I pull out from the fridge. And uh, I have to be honest and say that it took me only one video to watch and see the eyes of the cow tearing up after they took the cough away from her, her baby, away from her. Um, and the tears in her eyes, seeing the baby far, getting far away and the, the sounds of her cry uh, that made me realize that something is wrong over here. So from this moment, I immediately, like, I made a shift in my lifestyle. Firstly, with the food that I consume, and uh, later on, it developed into uh, the clothings that I wear and uh, ending with my profession as a designer. Uh, so all the materials that I use in the process of making and specific objects. Uh, so looking uh, like specifically at every single material that I use, but also at the tools that uh, um, being that that I use during the process of making a specific design. So let's say um, I like to use this example uh, because this 
I think this one is a thought provoking for other people. I I, I ask them uh, if you look at uh, a wooden chair, would you say that a wooden chair is vegan? If you look at um, a wooden chair, it's not necessarily that the wood will be vegan. The the chair will be vegan because in the process of making the chair, one is using glue. And in glue, we have animal in most likely we will have animal ingredients in it. And in sanding the wood, you have again glue in the sanding paper or in the coating of the wooden chair. Most likely, you will also find animal ingredients. And this aspect really striked me. And I started reading a lot of books. Uh, of course, in Eindhoven, it's quite. Uh, boring you don't have much to do beside playing the role of a designer or a researcher and this is what i did for a, a couple of months since i uh, decided to to turn vegan and i read a lot of books and by um, acknowledging the fact that animal ingredients find their way into almost any <laughs> any product or material that one could never link with the suffering of of a specific animal um, really striked me. So I started writing essay about it, and this essay developed into a PhD proposal. Um, and this is what I'm doing today. I'm continuing since 2016 16, this research on uh, vegan design. Uh, trying to suggest different alternatives to products and to materials that we use as de as designers and um, uh, showing that it's possible to be uh, ethical and uh, responsible to our own comfort because design at the end it's it's about aesthetics it's about comfort it's about beauty it's about function but today i think it needs to collect other principles like it's also about ethics and it's also about the planet and it's also about the animals so it's not only about humanity anymore This podcast is brought to you by Wendy Teo and Eliza Koning as part of the Narrative of Soy Research Project. This research project is funded by British Council, Connection Through Culture.